Hello, welcome to the University of Brighton podcast. I'm Richard Newman. This is the podcast which catches up with academic staff and students at the university and goes into detail about some of their specialist areas. Today, my guest is Pippa Totfraku, Principal Lecturer and Lead for Planning and Admissions in the School of Education. And Pippa's a former teacher, a graduate from Brighton too. And clearly with things the way they have been for much of the first half of the year, a lot of us have gained a new appreciation of teaching with homeschooling. Pippa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Let's get to know you a little bit better first. So let's start with the role now that you have at the university. What does that involve? Okay, so uh, I say, you say currently, but I've been here for the last 17 years and held many roles in that time. Um, I'm a principal lecturer teaching on subjects as primary computing. I teach the undergraduate students and the postgraduates teaching students. Plus, I also teach education studies. But as you said in your intro, my main role is admissions into the School of Education and initial teacher education. So um, I have the pleasure to work with and lead a team of really experienced, talented, simply wonderful colleagues and head teachers who help me in um, finding those with the potential to train to teach and become outstanding teachers. So to give you a little bit of an idea of numbers, um, that's approximately 350 interviews we um, conduct on just our primary education routes. And overall within the school, we take about 600 students each year. So a lot of responsibility. Let's get to know a bit more about your background as well. So you were a teacher and you trained at Brighton. Okay, so yes, I trained at the uh, University of Brighton and graduated in 2000. But getting to that point was, was quite hard. Um, I left school, uh, a local school with only one GCSE. Um, I think I could have been described at the time as a, a challenging child, uh, very good athletically representing the southeast in London, getting perfect vaults for handsprings, uh, ballroom dancing, disco dancing champion, um, but not academically gifted at the time. Um, I left school at 16, I had various careers until I was 21 and then I married a Marine and moved to the States and toured around the States for four years. Um, but I returned to the UK as a single mother in need of support, um, benefits and housing and at the time it looked, it seemed really bleak, my future seemed really, really bleak. And um, what I knew I needed in order to support and help my child was an education myself. So I went back to school. I did night school, I took my GCSEs, and then I took an access course. Um, both college and university were truly life-changing experiences for me. I love the University of Brighton. I love the hope that it gave me for seeing my potential and, um, and, and letting me train to teach. Uh, university itself was actually quite challenging itself. It was a struggle to study and raise a child and work. But the tutors were really understanding and supportive. And what I lacked in um, academia at the time, I made up with hard work, perseverance, resilience and determination. So after I graduated, I taught locally, but not for long before I was drawn back in to start a master's. And that led to visiting lecturing and then a permanent position at the university. Wow, okay. So that, I mean, 
an amazing, incredible way to turn your life around as you were describing there. What was it about teaching? When did you decide um, that teaching was for you? I think it was during, it was through having a child. It was through realizing the opportunities that get, the teaching gave me. And at college, um, we had to present some things and explain some things. And somebody said to me, you'd be really good as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so what made you decide in the end to start concentrating on training teachers to work in it to do the visiting lecturing to come back to the university and um, rather than working in schools where did that um sort of start to take over for you i think that was because i had um an ofsted inspection in the school and they watched an it lesson that i was teaching and the way that i'd incorporated it into my teaching i was the first year out of um, university with any IT training in 2000. Right. Um, and I was seen as an expert because I could text wrap in Word <laughs> and produce a banner on Publisher. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, uh, the expectations were so low at the time and they're so different with coding and computational thinking that we now teach primary age children. Um, but yeah, I think it was that it was success in, in teaching in school and really realizing that I could actually teach this to others. Yeah, we're going to come back to, um, I think, touching on what you were talking about just now in a minute in terms of mature students and how people might look for a career change. You're going to come back to that in, in a bit. Um, it, it's been a, a really strange year so far. I mean, that's a bit of an understatement. Um, and as I said in the intro, so many parents have been given an insight into what it's like to teach with the homeschooling during lockdown. And even then, you know, only a tiny bit of it because they're still being set work from their schools. Do you think now, even more so than before, there is this newfound appreciation of teachers? You know the importance of teachers and and the respect of the profession that they 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 do in the schools has found newfound um, respect. Um, I mean, currently there are just under half a million teachers in the UK, okay, and thirty four thousand needed every year to train to teach. That's roughly the size of the Royal Navy which I'm told at every recruitment I go to. Um, and whilst teachers are not key workers, I think they enabled and supported key workers to continue in their vital roles. And I've had many comments from teachers um, that said that they've received thank thanks from key workers, saying how grateful they were knowing that their child was you know, in a supportive environment, um, having fun and, um, and learning while they were able to focus on those challenging roles. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, speaking to teachers, they say that teaching is probably the most difficult job that anyone can have, but also most, most rewarding. From March to September, many, many parents um, found themselves pulling coronavirus triple duty. They were having to work, they were having to parent, and they were having to teach from home. 
And I think this is what's given this newfound respect. You know, we had to adjust these working patterns, you know, working from home, having new systems. These took longer hours. We had to repurpose bedrooms and make them into offices. Um, and parenting, we had to establish these new boundaries um, when working at home, allowing us to have some peace and quiet while getting on, on with our work without disruption. And then we had to talk to our children about these really challenging situations that they faced in terms of schooling, in terms of their social lives, in terms of, terms of not being able to find, um, speak to their family members. And juggling, working and parenting, and then on top of that, having to teach mm. our children was really difficult. Um, you know, lacking resources, keeping children engaged and focused while you're trying to work and trying to parent. Um, not always having them on the screen, trying to keep them active. And then for the older children, it was subject knowledge that parents lacked in, in order to be able to teach their child. So I think all of these factors and more have helped to create a newfound respect for the teaching profession. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think from the other point of view, more never obviously was talking about the, the importance of teachers is being realized. And when we talk about students, especially now, now in, in years, I don't know, like 11 and 13 or, or the last year of college. So facing GCSEs or, or A-levels, how much of a challenge is it going to be for them maybe to get up to speed with maybe some of that disruption that they felt during the end of the last school year? I think it is very challenging for them because it's new ways of working, ways of learning online, um, and not being able to have those impromptu conversation with their peers when they get stuck. Um, I know schools are being really flexible and us as a university, we're being really flexible about our admissions process and understanding that the challenges they face. So when they come to apply, you know, we take all this into consideration. Mm. How important do you think it is then because of all that, that schools don't close again? I mean, clearly the priority from the government seems to be that schools would be the one the last thing to close um but how important is it that they can it, we continue as we are at the moment i think it's really important actually because it's not not just about their academic progress it's about keeping children um safe and secure it's about giving them routine it's about their social skills um it's it's much more than academia. It's about giving them predictable uh, predictability in a time when things are unknown mm. and things are, are challenging. Yeah. Um, how much admiration then do you have for the teachers who are in schools at the moment teaching during this pandemic and the children as well for their resilience? You have to have a lot of respect for them don't you because they're the ones that are going in and putting themselves in that situation um in my daughter's school there's been a couple of cases of covid and and, and children in that bubble being sent home um i think it's incredibly and i have nothing but admiration for them for going in and continuing to do the job at such a hard time mm. um it's a horrible time for many people in jobs and there are a lot of people who may be thinking about retraining a career change maybe or just hit upon a light bulb moment during lockdown and thought 
I want to be a teacher. Um, do you think there is maybe more interest at the moment in people doing that? Yes, um, I was reading an article from July on, in the Times Educational Supplement and it reported on a new analysis by the Education Institute, which showed that since the start of lockdown, 21,500 uh, graduates had applied to teacher training. That was a 65% rise um, from the five-year average, which was helping to close the gap um, in teacher training recruitment for the first time in eight years. Um, the analysis attributed the rise in um, applications to fears of coronavirus causing an economic downturn. Graduates who would normally pursue a different career uh, were attracted to the job security and stable wages that teaching offered. Um, also an increase in teacher starting salaries, which could play a part, a part in in, in these number of applications. Mm. Um, do you think there may be a situation over the coming years where we maybe do see more mature students looking to retrain as a teacher, maybe because of, of the situation that we've all been in in the last, in this year? Well, we have started to read applications at the moment and we are seeing people from very different backgrounds um, we've seen those that um, have travel industry experience. We've even seen a couple of pilots with applications okay. at yeah. the moment. Yeah. Um, what about from your experience as, as someone then that came in as a mature student that when you feel like everything may be against you as well, where you feel like things aren't quite going your way and it feels like it's difficult to um retrain because of the commitments that you might have and so you're in a really good position to answer this i guess for people that feel like it's just going to be too much what would you say to them because i know that the university is very supportive when it comes to supporting students who have caring responsibilities and other responsibilities outside of their studies i have no doubt that it is hard work but if you're prepared to put in the hours um, it is possible. There are many parents on our course who train to teach and do so really successfully. And I think that has something to do with the way that they are able to manage time and divide their time out and, and commit to and stick to those times. So that if something happens, like your child gets a cold or they're suddenly ill, you, you, you know you've got extra time to be able to do that. So I think what mature students are really good at doing, apart from commitment and clear focus, is about managing their time. They're really mm. good at it. Yeah. Um, and when you do get to come and study at Brighton, um, placement's obviously a huge part of the courses. We've had Sarah Fitzjohn Scott on in the past before discussing yeah. the partnerships that we have with schools. And um, you still listen back to, to that one in our back catalogue. Um, how much is the practical element a big thing with what we offer here at Brighton? 
Okay, so the teaching degree is almost a degree of two parts. You have, for example, BA Honours in Primary Education, or you have PGCE, and then on the other side, you have QTS or Qualified Teaching Status. So PGCE primary students spend two thirds of the course on school-based training. So during university-based training, they're engaged with theory, so how children develop and learn, policy and then they put and the practice enables them um, to apply both the subject related understanding that they've developed with the pedagogic skills um, that they've been taught at university and this ensures that the children in their care and their class enjoy learning and make progress so um, in the university, we help teachers to develop their teaching identity. Mm -hmm. So the kind of teacher they want to be and want to become um, to help them to develop their beliefs, their philosophy, their values about teaching. And because we work with over 600 partnership schools and colleges and settings, we can offer varied placements in small rural schools or multi-form entry schools, forest schools or church-aided schools. And it's this, you know, with each of these, each of these schools have their own ethos and beliefs about teaching and learning. They're very different. And our students get the opportunity to see what kind of school they can see themselves working in and what kind of school fit with their belief about education. Mm, a great opportunity for them then to, to hone their practical skills so that they can go in and and be the teachers that they that we all want them to be as well. I mean, clearly you're so passionate about teaching. So I guess here's an opportunity to, to pitch to us, to pitch to the listeners. Why should someone consider <laughs> becoming a teacher? Okay, I've got 10 for you. Okay. okay. Wow, okay. So bear with me. Okay, wow, okay. I didn't expect that. <laughs> this is an important list. So fail to hear or see the DFE advert saying every lesson makes a lie for those who can teach um and i'm just going to give you these top 10 so one mm -hmm. no, no two days are the same you won't get bored every day is different there's lots of variety teaching and learning new new topics and new class every year children are fun to work with i mean they will make up until you cry and they will make you cry um they're it's such an energizing environment you'll be engaged in creative ways of working number two number two you get to learn as well as teach so teachers are lifelong learners who relish the chance to evolve and grow they love learning um, and want to share this with everyone it's it's infectious it's infectious and you get to learn from the children and you get to see life through a new uh, point of view. Teaching makes a real visible difference. You can actually see it. And most applications I read talk about wanting to make a difference either to the community or to children's lives. Get to see, get to see that physical spark, that recognition on a child's face as they finally get something due to your teaching. Number four, you can work all over the world. So training to teach is a highly transferable skill and with QTS you'll be able to work pretty much anywhere in the world. Number five, you have long summers, good, good wages and a great pension. Number six, job security. 
there'll always be a need for teachers. Seven, it's highly sociable. You work as part of a team with parents, outside agencies. Eight, I'm almost there. At the same time, you have independence. You'll be in charge of your own classroom. You'll make decisions about how you lay out your furniture, how you adapt your teaching for the individual needs of the children. I've got to point out there's no blueprint for a perfect teachers. All teachers are unique and different and talented, just like the children in their class. Number nine, and this is my favourite one, it's the intangible rewards. It's the little things. It's the things I cherish about teaching is the funny things children say, um, the things that they do, the questions they ask, and the way that they see the world. Um, they're my treasures that I take with me from the teaching job. And number 10, don't take my word for it. Get out there, see for yourself, go into school, talk to a teacher. What about the job? And also, and just as importantly, what do they find challenging? Brilliant. I mean, I don't even think anyone could put that any better. <laughs> this is so good. Okay, so those are some incredible benefits and the reasons to become a teacher. I mean, that would convince a lot of people to do that, I think. Um, what is it then about studying at Brighton that you believe puts it above some of the others in terms of students wanting to come and study teaching here? I think it has to do with the fact that we've been training teachers for over a hundred years. That's a long time. That's a wealth of experience. Mm. I think it has something to do with the specialist facility and teaching rooms that we have in where you will have hands-on experience of playing with some of the equipment that you will use in a primary classroom. For example, in mathematics, you'll have Dean's rods, compare bears, um, uh, multi-link, all different kinds of resources. And in the arts rooms, you'll get to experience and play with some of those tile making, batik, all different kinds of art techniques. So it's that practical experience that you get at Brighton that you can then take out into the classroom. How about the Open Learning Centre with over 30,000 resources for trainee teachers? Number 15 in the Times Educational League tables for education courses and number 15 for education, I think it's in the Guardian. I can't now quite remember off the top of my head. But pretty good. And um, I, I guess I think it's something we brought up maybe in a conversation that I had with Sarah in the podcast before. One of the things about wanting to become a teacher is you have to be all in. It's not a half-hearted thing. You, ha you have to be all in. Is that right? It's, yeah, it's, it's really hard work, but it's enjoyable hard work. You, you get to experience it all again, but this time from a, from a mature perspective. So you get to try out all these ideas, um, but it's a lot of responsibility, you know, not just in terms of um, academia, in terms of pastoral care, in terms of looking after children. And, and um, yeah, that can be quite challenging. And then, what do you think it is that really puts teaching apart from other professions? What's the one thing? So you might have to pick one from your top 10, maybe. The one, the one thing that really, for you, makes it the profession above all others. It'd be a personal thing, I imagine. I think it's the opportunity to continue to learn and 
not just teach children but learn from children mm. i yeah. think it's it, it's that combination of teaching and learning and learning from the children mm. we're going to put a lot of the information about school of education in the podcast description you can also find out more at brighton.ac.uk um, away from teaching pippa you were very active during lockdown with the effort to help out the nhs and putting your sewing skills to good use can you tell us a bit about what you were doing okay so on the news before i saw um, a community group of sewers talking about how they would contribute to the PPE shortage. So I joined a local um, group operating out of Eastbourne and with my mum we made 30 sets of scrubs, um, 20 sets of matching hearts and gingerbread nurses as thank yous. Uh, I learned to use an overlocker which is a specialist machine that sews and binds and cuts edges. Um, so other than banging on my saucepan at 8pm on a Thursday night, it was kind of a small way to help out. Yeah, incredible thing to do. Um, and um, the hearts you were making, that must be an incredibly emotional thing to do as well. Could you sort of just explain what the, what the thinking the was behind the hearts? Um, at the time, at the beginning of the, the, the virus, um, loved ones couldn't be with their family or their member as they passed so um, the idea was one heart was with the person in hospital and the other heart went to the family member mm. did you have a lot of feedback about that um yes from the nurses in the hospitals yeah. so from right in the hospital i got a thank you note from the nurses that was was handing them out mm. a lovely thing to do really really just um yeah amazing thing and the uh, just yeah brilliant to, to volunteer to, to do all that um at the end of each podcast we ask questions completely away from your work so just a little bit of fun they're the same that we ask each guest the first one is what... i've listened i've listened <laughs> so you i'm sure you've done your prep what advice would you give to your oh. younger self don't compare yourself with others to the extent that it stops you trying to achieve your dreams um, it's taken me a long time to have confidence in the fact that I am good enough. Um, I come with my own unique set of skills and talented, which are just as great as those who I hold at work in high regard. Great. Really, that's a pretty good advice. Um, if you could pick any other subject to study at the University of Brighton, what would you choose? When I applied for teacher training I also applied for midwifery mm -hmm. um although I didn't actually get an interview so maybe midwifery okay another course we're extremely strong at, at the University of Brighton um can you pick a favorite place in Sussex yes I can it's Wooding Dean where I live um absolutely nothing special to look at or to visit but it holds everything special to me so all my family all 21 of us live here um the schools are here i'm a committee member of a local horticultural group so i've got a, so a strong sense of community and belonging here mm -hmm. cool and if you could give visitors to brighton and the area a tip of what to do or experience maybe over a weekend and maybe back when you know we can do whatever we want to do, what might that be? 
I think you can do this. The only one, the only thing stopping you today is the weather. So on a warm day, I'd pack a picnic, um, head down to Rotting Dean Beach for a spot of rock pooling. However, last weekend, we went on a walk on the Cookie Trail and the canopy was beautifully autumnal um, in colour, plus there were oodles of sloes for gin flavouring, so the Cuckoo Trail perhaps as well. Great. Um, tell us something interesting about you, which a lot of people may not know. Okay, so I hold many awards and trophies for horticulture. I have two Banksian uh, medals, which are from the Royal Horticultural Society for the most points in show. So I grow flowers and fruit for competition. And my latest obsession is lithops. And lithops are a kind of succulent. And I now have over a hundred of these and I belong to the British Cactus and Succulent Society. And I'm really surprised actually by the number of X um, or retired lecturers that are part of this group. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, and if you're watching, if you're listening to this version, then head over to YouTube and you can you can see those succulents that um, that, that Pip has been showing up to us there. Um, and finally, if you can pick three people at, uh, to host at a dinner party, past or present, so not, not including your family, who would they be and why? Okay, so David Attenborough, um, his programs are full of awe and wonder uh, and the impact humankind are having on the earth. Um, I grew up watching these with my father and I now watch these with my children. So a fascinating man to have as a dinner guest. Yeah. I would have Ricky Gervais <laughs> because he's a comedy genius. He makes me laugh until I cry. And we all need a bit of that at the moment, I think. Mm -hmm. yep. And the, finally, the, the person I would have is Jesus. He might not show up, depending on whether he was real or not, but I would like to sit back and enjoy the conversation and watch the three of them talk. Yes, <laughs> that would be an interesting dinner party. Uh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall on that one. And, and especially, I think Ricky Gervais is an atheist, isn't he? So that'd be an interesting conversation. <laughs> Um, look, Pippa, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And you can find out more about our teaching courses via the link in the podcast description or visit brighton.ac.uk. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.